All right. Guess what we're going to talk about for six weeks? <laughs> I want to encourage you today because grace is, out of all of Christianity, the most important thing. And nobody gets it. Well, a handful of us get it. But it's because I feel it's like where we came from, right? Like Peter. It's like, Lord, I have messed this up so bad, you know? That's why this happens. And if this doesn't happen for you, um, it's too bad because you're really missing out on something great, especially when you're standing in front of a bunch of people. All right, so we're going to talk about this series. We're going to call it Amazing Grace because God's grace is amazing. And if you wanted to turn to a, a scripture, we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 2 today. Uh, handouts are over there. Uh, if you're new to our church, there's three ring binders over there on the table with the handouts. And then there's some note pages if you choose. Those are free. Those are for you. Um, grab one if you like. Uh, we have handouts every week so you can understand, get this in your heart, and use it in your secret place. And I'm telling you that um, this next six weeks, if you get it, will change your life. And I want to encourage you. I know I said we're behind on the Internet thing. But uh, if you have to miss a service, try to find out a way to, to listen. Um, I'll tell you, too, we are working on getting our messages on iTunes so they're easier to find. Uh, Pandora and the other one, whatever it's called, Spotify, so that they are just easy to find and easy to access. Right? Sometimes our website's a little stupid, and um, it doesn't participate. Okay? So we're working on those things. Um, all that stuff's over there. I want to encourage you to get it. Okay? Uh, the fasting stuff is over there. Uh, grab one of those if you're participating and you want a Daniel fast. Right? A couple of things to tell you about before we get going today. Uh, she Reads Truth, which is Michelle's brand new Bible study, is this Wednesday at our house. Okay? We're also praying at our house at the same time, so there's going to be a lot of people at my house. Right, but uh, she reads truth is this seven to nine this coming up Wednesday at the house. You'll be down in the salon, um, new Bible study just starting out, ladies only. Okay, um, if you want to bring your spouse, he wants to pray with us upstairs. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. So that's Wednesday on Friday night. Uh, Bridge to Hope, this, the suicide survivor meeting is going on from uh, six thirty or six to seven thirty, and at the same time from six thirty to nine thirty. Uh, the teenagers are going to head out with Joel, going to meet here and leave from here and go to Life Church to the youth ministry meeting. Okay? Friday night, right? So. Somebody talk to Michelle if you have any questions. Okay? Because obviously I don't know what in the heck I'm talking about. All right. Thank God for the small church. But anyway. Um, so amazing grace, right? Amazing grace. You think about that, you hear the song, and you see it, and the Apostle Paul spent a whole, Paul's gospel is Romans talking about how great God's grace is. And, and I think, I didn't really ever get this. It took me years to understand it, and, and even through seminary, it was a great big argument about is it good, is it amazing, is it not amazing, and I'm like, how can it not be amazing? But yet people are questioning, you know, is God the God that is, is full of grace and mercy and truth, or is he a God of judgment? 
Because if we read and study Romans and you look at the first three chapters of Romans, it's bam, bam, bam. There's judgment cometh upon the earth, right? And, and he, we'll see today. He, he, and then he turns and he talks about Israel and how lost they are and how he is of the house of Israel. And it breaks his heart because they don't understand grace. They're stuck in law. They're stuck in, in works, right? And then, you know, you look across the body of Christ today and you see believers, God-fearing Christians who, who are living a life of, of shame and condemnation. And, and just like the video, I'll never, it was unforgivable what I did. I had an abortion. It's not, it's not forgivable. Want to bet? Want to bet? You know, other Christians, you know, they have this, this perfect driven life. I'm not allowed to, to even look at women. You know, I'm not even, a, I, I can't drink alcohol and I can't do this and I can't do that. I have to live the perfect life and, and do this perfect thing. Good freaking luck because it ain't going to happen. Okay? Sorry. I'm a little passionate about this because it drives me nuts. When people walk up and they want to counsel with me and they're like, Pastor, I'm just, I can't do this Christian thing because I'm just not good enough. I'm like, no kidding. Nobody is. Nobody qualifies. Nobody has done enough. You can't be nice enough. You can't give enough money. You can't preach enough messages. You can't do enough mission trips. You can't do enough to earn God's favor. Amen. So sit down and be disciples. That's all you got to do, right? And learn and understand that people are a hot mess. Not just you, everybody's messed up. It's the planet that we live on. And if you don't believe me, just turn on the news. You will see some jacked up stuff happening, right? Now, I, I, there was a story. I had a, a pastor one time in college was telling us um, that he learned grace this way. He said, life is a river flowing to hell. I'm like, oh, this is going to end up well. <laughs> and he says, God has put us in a boat, and, and we have oars, and we're rowing towards heaven. That's God's grace. He's given us the oars to row towards heaven. And I'm like, that's not amazing grace. That's amazing you. And you're just not that amazing because that's not going to get you anywhere. And, and, and I think in, if people look at the judgment of Israel in the Old Testament and don't get, like we said in, when we were talking about communion today, it's a new covenant. And, and when the church, when the Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts was when the new covenant began. Is when Jesus was risen, it switched over from Old Covenant to New Covenant because he says that. And then when the church took off in Acts chapter 2, everything changed because God left the temple and moved in here. And now he's not just somebody we got to go see. He's somebody we commune with all the time. Amen. And his grace is always with us because he is always with us with us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Are you with me? Foundational stuff. You have to know that God is in you if you're a believer. Are you okay? You all right? Everybody's good? 
All right. Now, if you walk around church circles and you ask people, there's two things that, that kind of mess up because they, they interweave and cross, and it's important to get separation and understanding because there's two things. If you ask people what grace is, you will get a, an answer like probably on your handout. Grace is unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness in favor of God. That's what grace is. Now, in this series and later weeks, we're going to talk about what grace does. Two different things. And I think they get crossed up and it messes people up. And that's where it comes, people come with the, well, God's grace is everywhere. I can live however I want. No, that's not how we roll. Because even if you're a believer and even if you're... Um, a hardcore follower of Jesus, there's a called a white throne judgment at the end where there's going to be an accounting of what happened. So it's got to pay attention. It's not, it's not free will. Oh, God will forgive me. It's like, yeah, sure. But you're going to have to give account for that at the end. Okay? So that's, that'll be the uh, end times sex series later on this year that I keep talking about that we got to figure out. Okay? So two things, what grace is and what grace does, um, that definition is, is a good one, right? The unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness in favor of God, it's a simple confession, right? And, and if that's your confession every day, it's going to change your outlook on how the world looks, right? So, so let's practice here. Let's, let's say it with me. Say, I accept, I accept. the unmerited, unmerited. undeserved, Unearned kindness in favor of God. Can you say that every day in your secret place time? Let's try it again all together. Ready? I accept the unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness in favor of God. Make that your confession for the rest of your life. That's why it's in your notes. Okay? It's important. Now, those words, those three words, unmerited, undeserved, and unearned, I want to take apart today, right? Let's, let's, let's define our terms and get serious about what this means because you'll hear it over and over, this unmerited thing and this undeserved thing and all that, and it's very simple, but I want to talk to you about it and, and build a foundation that we're going to build the other five weeks on, okay? Because this definition is imperative, and it's easy to say it, and it's a great confession, and it'll get in your heart, but until we really get it, I, mean, I think it's just words, okay? So let's talk about this. First one on your handout, let's unpack these three words. Unmerited. Unmerited. Unmerited is simply, as not deserved, right? And, and this is a stumbling block for a lot of people. In Ephesians chapter 2, now again, Paul's been hard on, on the church, and he's hard on Israel. But listen to what he says right here. He, he's talking about... Um, he, he prays this prayer for spiritual wisdom in chapter 1, and in chapter 2, verse 1, he says this. Listen carefully to what he says about Jesus, okay? He says, and you were made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, right? You were born. When you were born, you were spiritually dead, okay? You good with me? Verse 2, in which you once according, walked according to the course of this world, According to the prince of the power of the air, 
the spirit of who now works in the sons of disobedience, right? We were all obedient to the devil. Some of us better than others, but we won't ask for hands, okay? <laughs> right? We were good at it. Verse 3, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. He's just saying truth right here. Nothing major, nothing deep. And then verse 4, my favorite, my first favorite two words in all of the Bible. Say it with me. But God. Oh, come on. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Great in mercy. I would write that somewhere on your note page. God is great in mercy. Uh, <clears throat> Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Verse 6, and raised us up together. Anybody raised up in this place? Anybody anywhere? Right? We've been raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Right now, you are raised up. You are sitting with God in heavenly places. Think about that for a second the next time you want to punch somebody in the face. That'll help you. It's like, oh, I can't do that. Jesus is right here. You know, right? Helps me. Maybe it'll help you. Not that I want to punch somebody in the face all the time, but just most of the time. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches this i would circle this in my bible right here exceeding riches of his grace his exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in christ jesus and verse eight and nine are the ones i want you to see listen carefully this is this is foundational doctrine right here for by grace you have been saved through faith it does not say for by works you have been saved through faith or by giving or by serving. You have been saved through faith or by being nice to your neighbor when you want to shoot him in the face with a bazooka. No, can't help you, right? You are saved by grace through faith that are not of yourselves. It is the, say it, of, say it like you mean it because the devil's listening. It is a, very good. Very good. Now get that in your heart because it's a gift. Anybody have, you know, your children, when they're children, right, they always give you a Christmas gift. And you're like, where did this come from? And it's like, who paid for this? It's like, oh, I paid for this. That's right. Anyway, here, Daddy. Oh, thank you. That's not the way this works. It's free. And listen, this right here, this is free, free. The ability to pray is free. The ability to serve in your church and serve your people is free. But it doesn't help you get to heaven at all. There is no, no benefit to getting to heaven. You're saved by grace through faith. Faith's pretty important in this this little genre right here kind of important and then he goes on in verse 90 and he says not of works lest anyone should boast there isn't anybody in heaven 
bragging. I, I was talking last week about Reinhard Bonnke, who just went home to be with the Lord. S probably millions and millions of people saved in his ministry. And when he got to the gates and he walked into heaven and he was met by Jesus, he probably didn't say, Jesus, I'm here. See all these millions of people on the list of that I got to get here. Look at what I did. No. You cannot boast about what you do here, there, because it's a gift. That's like saying, you know, I bought Dominic a car. I'm going to brag about it because it's a nice car and it's beautiful and all this great stuff. I can't do that because then it's not a gift if I'm going to brag about it. A gift is free, unlike your children's gifts. They're not free. No, Somebody's paying for those, usually you, right? And it's not fun. But this gift, free gift. And, and when you walk into heaven, the only thing you're going to see is the nail prints in Jesus' hands. And you're going to go, that's why I'm here. Because of that. Nothing I did. Nothing I said. None of the salvations that we did in last year when we had a great year with people getting saved and look around, their church is growing. None of that's going to stinking matter. That's what matters. Nothing else. And, and we say all the time, when, when I counsel people, I'm like, where's your focus? Because oh, this, my boss said I stink and I'm going to get fired. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, who are you? Are you, a, are you born again? Are you a Christ follower? Are you in Jesus' flock? Well, the only thing that matters is what he does. And then, like Michelle said, you start looking like him when you start acting like him. And knowing there is nothing you can do to purchase heaven. Right? Grace, it's like, uh, I remember when I was a kid, we used to play ball hockey in the summer. And my dad would come out, and he'd play with us a little bit, but, you know, he was always tired. Right? It must be a dad thing. But he would always say, play this way so you don't break the window. And, of course, we played this way, and I, you know, shot the ball, and it bounced off the goal and went right through the window. And I'm like, oh, boy. And here comes my dad with the ball. He's like, I thought I told you to play this way. He's like, I'm sorry. I mean, you know all the excuses kids come up with and this and that and the other thing. He's like, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. And he walked away. And I was like, wow. When I was thinking about that yesterday, I was like, oh, that's grace. I'll take care of it. That's what good fathers do. They take care of it. I was, I was thinking about the grace thing, and you know how the Bible says love covers the multitude of sins? Uh, my, my thinking is grace covers the multitude of stupid sins. Anybody, right? I mean, we're, we're all full of stupid stuff, so it's unmerited, right? Number two, just like it, it's, it's undeserved. Undeserved on your handout there, number two. In Romans chapter 3, we're going to spend a lot of time in Romans in this, in this series. So if I had a, a secret place time and I didn't have anything to do, I would, I would read the book of Romans. Just saying, you know, if I was looking for some place to camp. Uh, we're going to start in verse 21, uh, chapter 3, verse 21. It says, again, he says, but now, because he's drawing a comparison, remember, 
first three chapters of Romans is God's judgment on the, on the earth, right? And he, it's deep. It is serious what he's talking about. Now, he's, he's talking about how um, he's going to defend that, and then everybody's sin, and now he's going to talk about God's righteousness. He says, but, because he's contrasting, now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Talking about the Old Testament judgment has been defined, okay? Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Look at your neighbor and say, quit sinning. <laughs> and if your wife or your husband sitting next to you, look at the other person, okay? We don't want to have to counsel everybody in marriage counseling. Okay, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now catch this most important verse. Being justified means that we're justified being declared righteous in God's sight. Okay? Justified. Being justified. Being declared just if I'd never sinned. Being justified in God's sight. That's kind of a big deal. Should at least be one amen right there. I mean, it's a big deal. Being justified freely, freely, circle that word because it means without cost. That's one of my most favorite words in all the earth. It's like freely lunch, freely dinner, freely mortgage. You know, I like all that stuff. It's great. But in this case, he's talking about uh, being declared righteous in God's sight without any charge. You know, we do the, the ministry time and the altar call. That's all you got to do is say, yes, Lord. It's incredible. Being justified, justified, never sinned freely without any cost by his grace. There's that word grace. Talk about that in a minute. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That word redemption. Let's talk about that. It's a legal term. Okay. That word, it's a release secured by the payment of ransom deliverance, setting free. So if you're in this place today, or if you're listening, and you're bound by something, you need to look at that something and say, I'm set free today. Again, husbands, don't look at your wives, and well, you know, don't do that. You're not free of that. But you are set free of the bondages of sin and death in your life. Freely. Freely. My favorite word, freely, set free. Now, let's talk about this word uh, grace in the Greek, okay? It's, it's where we get the word charisma, charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, charismatic. All these words come out of that, and they have grace, like charismatic uh, grace gifts and, and charisma. You have uh, a great grace for people, okay? Now, in the original Greek, the word is a little different in the cultural meaning, not the biblical meaning, but the cultural meaning, there is no CH sound in Greek, right? There is no ch or, or uh, that type of thing. So the C would be silent, and it's haris, right? In, in the cultural Greek, haris. Now, a lot of kids' names, if you're getting ready to have a baby girl, Karis is a girl's name. It's quite common, I'm finding out. So if you have a daughter named Karis, don't go home and 
call her Harris because people think she's crazy. But in the cultural meaning, the, the name, the word is pronounced Harris, okay? And, and it means unmerited favor of God. That's what grace, Harris, or charis means in the original Greek. It's a cultural word before it's a scriptural word, okay? Now, here's the thing. The cultural meaning means this. It means it implies a benevolent gift given from a superior to an inferior in wealth or goods, right? Not a superior person, like I'm more special than you. It's just because I got more stuff than you, right? So it means giving of gifts by a superior to an inferior. Now, in the culture, there's, there's people involved in this, okay? It's a, a picture word, like in Hebrew, right? And it says, the person who's providing the gift, the superior, right, is called the patron. Now, let's use the, the analogy of a shoe store, okay? So the shoe store would be the patron, okay? Are you with me? Right? Now, the second person would be called the client. That would be the, the not well-to-do person who needs the gift, right? That would be the receiver of the shoes, let's say. They're the client, right? Now, in cultural Greek, there's a third person involved here. And that third person, these aren't biblical terms, you know, client and all that stuff. That's not biblical. It's just cultural terms. But there's a third person involved in the transaction, and that person's called the broker. Now, check this out. In the cultural Greek, in the meaning of this word, the broker is the person who goes into the community, looks for the need, and tells the other person to meet that need. And if you think about it in the cultural Greek or in a biblical sense, Jesus came to look for the need and he is the go-between between the father and his people, being the broker, a picture of grace. Jesus is a picture of grace between the father and his sinful people. And the only way that can happen, Jesus is the broker. He brought us together. There was a, I think about this and, and um you know, undeserved, and there was a preacher way back, I was reading a book about him, his name was E.B. Hill, he was an African-American preacher in Los Angeles, had one of the biggest congregations in the country at the time, back in the 60s, I think he died in 2003 or something, but when he was growing up in Texas, South Texas, a, a black kid in South Texas, you know how that was going, uh, he wanted to go to college, and he always wanted to be a preacher forever and ever, and, and his mom always told him, the Lord will provide. And, and as he got older into his teen years, he kind of came to the realization that this, this probably isn't going to happen because back in the, you know, in the 40s and 50s when he was going to high school, they didn't have programs. They didn't have money. They were very poor. And, and he was like, Mom, I, I'm not going to be able to go to college because we can't afford it. There's no money. And she always looked at him in the face, parents talking to your children, and she said, the Lord will provide. 
He, he, he grew up, he graduated high school, he went to ministry college, and he was in the line registering, knowing that he had to pay, and the line was like six or eight people deep. Then it was five people deep. Then it was three people deep. Then it was one people deep, person deep. And he was like, I got to get out of here. This is going to be humiliating and embarrassing. And he kept remembering. Then finally that person left, and he kept remembering, the Lord will provide. My mama's bed, the Lord will provide. And just as he was stepping up to the window to pay, a man showed up out of nowhere and grabbed his hand and put, put a stack of money in his hand right there at the window that he dropped on the counter and shoved through the window. And the lady took this big giant stamp and went kabam, paid in full. And E.B. Hill, as he stood at that window, he preached about this several times. He said, that's what my Jesus did for me. That's paying for my sin. Paid in full from top to bottom. So we got unmerited. We got undeserved. Number three, it's unearned. It's unearned in, in Romans chapter 11, verse 6. Okay? And on your notes. It says, and if by grace, then it's no longer works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it's of works, it's no longer grace. Okay? Otherwise, work is no longer work. If you read that like I read that, you'd be like, what in the heck does that say? Because that's just talking in circles. So what I want to do is kind of make it easy. Let's substitute grace and works. Let's substitute free and earned. Maybe it'll be clearer. All right? So let's, let's read it this way. It says, then if it's free, then it's no longer earned. Talking about grace. Remember, God's grace. Jesus, what he did on the cross and, and how he redeemed us. Remember, justified, never sinned, unearned, unpaid for. Okay? So if it's free, then it's no longer earned. Otherwise, free isn't free. So either you're going to earn it or you're not. Okay? Next time, next sentence. He says, but if it's earned, it's no longer free. Otherwise, earned is no longer earned. You have to choose, people of God. You have to choose. Is it free or is it earned? Is it free or is it earned? Because if you are earning, some people call it striving for God's grace and God's favor and God's, God's you know, hand on your life, you're spinning your wheels. It's like exercise. Why? Right? Thanks, Chase. <laughs> Here's the thing. We, as, as people of God, have had a mentality to strive for favor with God, right? To work for it, to earn it, okay? And, and it's really not helping you in any way. I'm not saying those are bad things. Of course we have to serve in our church. Of course we have to give in our church. Of course we have to love people because Jesus himself said, if you don't love people, you don't love me. Kind of strong words, right? This is not an open license to do whatever you want. 
Because when your focus is where it should be, this is easy. But when your focus is on the approval of everybody around you, including your work life and the corporate ladder, that's when the train wreck happens. Okay? Are you with me? Now, the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible has a grace definition that's incredible. I think it's in your notes. Grace is the dimension of divine activity that enables God to confront human indifference and rebellion, rebellion with the inexhaustible, I would highlight, arrow, circle, point, highlight, circle, explode, put up on the billboard, inexhaustible capacity to forgive and to bless. That's kind of good. That's a pretty good definition of God's grace. The dimension of divine activity that enables God to confront human indifference and rebellion, whether you're super sweet and great and nice to everybody, there's still indifference and rebellion. And because, what, and I believe right there, they're talking about that, well, Christianity's a crutch. I don't need God. I'm pretty good. I was that guy for a lot of years. What do I need God for? What do I need that for? I don't need church. What do I need church for? Because somebody's got to have your back. That's indifference and rebellion. That's a heart that's just like out, right? Inexhaustible capacity to forgive and to bless. It's free. He can't charge you for it. It's that birthday gift that you get, my personal, freely, without charge gift can't be paid for, can't be, can't be donated, can't be done for your children, can't be, you know, passed down through the generations. Everything with Jesus and grace is between your heart and his heart. Your choice, because when you walk in to heaven and you see the nail prints in his hand, Jesus is not going to be focused on your parents, how much time you've been to church, how much money you gave, how much serving you did, how many mission trips you went on. He's going to say, what do you believe? What do you believe? And that's it. Now, I want to show you a picture, okay? I'm going to show you a video of a father's grace. Right? And if I, I don't know about you, but this is going to destroy me, so just get ready. And it does all the time because it is a crystal clear picture of the grace of God towards his people. Now, there was, there's two guys. You've probably heard of them, or maybe you've seen this before. It's called Rick and Dick Hoyt. Okay? Rick is Dick's son. And when Rick was born a couple of years before me, he had the umbilical cord around his neck, and because of the oxygen supply being cut off to his brain, he cannot walk or talk. He's, he's in a wheelchair, and he's disabled quite heavily. All right? Um, when they, they worked hard for, uh, to get Rick into public high school, and um, 
1973, some engineers came up with a program because they realized something about young Rick was he was super intelligent, super smart. So some engineers came up with a program where they would follow his eyeballs, and then when his eyeballs would land on something, he would bump his head against this thing, and it would spell words. And they got this, it's, you know, you think of the technology in 1973 that they figured this out. So Rick, who was, who was paralyzed, quite disabled, quite heavily, could now communicate with the world. And it was, he was spelling these words by his eyeballs landing on a letter, and then he would bump it with his head, and it would produce these letters on a screen. <laughs> you know what the first words that he said was? Go Bruins. Because the Boston Bruins were in the Stanley Cup final that year. And instead of I love you, Dad, or I love you, Mom, or anything like that, he's like, go Bruins. I'm like, I love this story right up until then. <laughs> I hate the Bruins. But anyway, so he comes up with this thing, and he's very smart with this whole thing. So when, when Rick was in high school, when he was 15, a classmate was, was in a car accident and was paralyzed. And they had like a five-mile run to benefit this kid. And here's Rick, disabled, and he wants to run in this race to help his buddy, who's now disabled in this car accident. And his dad, who's, who's at this time in his 40s, began to train to help him participate in this run. And, and ever since then, they have done this over and over and over again. And, and after the race, after they ran that first race, Rick said, using the computer, he said, for the first time in my life, I don't feel handicapped. And ever since that first race, listen to this. These two guys have run 72 marathons. 32 Boston marathons. The last one was at 73 years old. His dad, Dick, ran his last Boston marathon in 2013, the year that the bombing took place. They weren't allowed to finish. So at 74, he came back in 2014 and finished the race with his son. 26.2 freaking miles at 73 years old. I complain going upstairs. Right? 72 marathons, uh, seven half marathons, maybe more than that because there's a hole in my page. 37 10 milers, 218 10Ks, uh, 161 5Ks, 200, 255 triathlons. Six of those were Ironman distances, which are a 2.4-mile swim, a 112-mile bike ride, and a 26.2-mile marathon. And the thing they boast about the most, they never finished last, ever. Now, when Dick swims... In these triathlons, Rick's in a raft behind him, right? When Dick's on his bike, Rick's in a seat in the front. And when uh, Dick runs, he's pushing him in his wheelchair, his son Rick, for all of this stuff. This 
is a picture of God's grace towards his people. Watch this.
Let's all stand together. You have to understand. Just got to get it that we are the guy in the chair. The guy in the raft. Everything I've ever done. Anything. I was pushed. Carried. That's grace. That's it. And until that you know, that but God realization hits your heart that that's it. I mean, you look at that daddy carrying his son and pushing him. And, and if you read this story, it wasn't all roses. They crashed a lot. There was injuries. There was stitches. There was hospital stays. Just because you're a Christian Make, nothing makes sense and nothing's easy. Your relationships are hard. The people who you have to deal with are not nice. But you know what? When you're focused on the one and only Jesus and you see stuff like these daddies doing this stuff, your thinking's got to change. You got to be like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, and today. So I want to ask you today, if you don't know God in this place today, or if you maybe you need to get back in the chair, maybe you've fallen off the bike or whatever that looks like for you, but I want to ask you today, if you are outside your relationship with Jesus, if you've walked away, stick your hand up. We want to pray. We're going to pray together. Anybody, anywhere, stick your hand up high so we can see it. Because listen to me. It's free. It's unearned. There's no way you can do enough to get it. It's a free gift. Anybody, anywhere, come back to Jesus. I see your hand. Hallelujah. Let's just pray this together today. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I give you my heart, Lord. I receive your free gift of grace. I stand firm, and I'm focused on you, Lord. Moving forward in 2020, I receive your grace, your mercy, your unmerited favor, and I love you, God. I give you my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. Now, I, I really, this series can change your life. It's not going to be all this mushy every week, hopefully, but let me tell you something. This, I mean, the Gospels are amazing, and the miracles that Jesus did are amazing. But this is Christianity 101, God's grace, God's grace in action. Now, if you have a need in this place today, I want to have the prayer team come. We're going to have just a quick worship song. If, uh, if you need prayer for any reason at all, maybe, maybe today or something's brought up something in your heart or in your mind or in whatever, if you need prayer for any reason at all, step out, be confident, and, and pray with one of these guys. We just want to give you a few minutes, okay? A few minutes if you have a prayer concern today. So step out. Otherwise, the rest of us are just going to worship God.
Amen, everybody. Well, praise the Lord. We're going to have uh, Sunday Connect today, as usual. Unfortunately, it's fruit and veggies, because <laughs> for 21 days, there'll be no donuts. So sorry. Let me apologize now. One thing, if you're a first-time guest, if you can do a, a Connect card, that'd be great. Um, otherwise, let's just hang out and have a good time. God bless you. Don't forget about all the stuff going on this week. Don't forget about uh, the fast, and we're praying at our house at uh, 7 to 8 p.m. every night during the fast, all right? Regardless of what's going on church-wise, whether it's coffee shop or whatever, we're praying at our house at 7, all right? Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.